Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. You know, when I teach my verse-by-verse seven-year course through the entire Bible, beginning with Genesis all the way through to Revelation, I emphasize that the Bible in its final finished form is a unified literary work. That's how we experience the Bible as Western culture. The curtain rises in Genesis, it falls in Revelation. In between, there's a linear narrative with recapitulation. The main character is God, the conflict is sin, and the theme is redemption. We tell the entire story, the entire history of salvation. History, his story. But keeping that in mind, we all have our favorite books of the Bible as well. And one of my favorite books is the book of Ruth. Oh, I just love the book of Ruth. It's the greatest love story in the entire Bible. Ruth. When I focused our last several podcasts on the women of the Bible, I was looking forward to today's podcast. Let me begin Ruth chapter 1 at verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. In the days when the judges ruled. Now we've been talking about the judges. We looked at Deborah and Yael, looked at Jephthah and his daughter. And we noted that if we imagine the face of a clock, the cycle of sin went round and round for 13 cycles, ending with the last judge in the book of Judges, Samson. They were terrible days. Oh, when we finish Judges and we turn around and look back over our shoulder at the smoking, charred, and bloody landscape behind us, we just want to walk, throw up our hands and walk away. But if we look very carefully in the muck and the mire, we see the flash of a diamond. We bend down, we pick it up, and it's the book of Ruth. Back in those awful days of the Judges, why, at the very end of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, in those days Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. Everyone did what they darn well pleased. They didn't recognize God anymore. It was a terrible time. And it was back in those days when we meet Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. A literal famine, yes, but a moral and ethical famine as well. Now, a man from Bethlehem, Bethlehem means house of bread, Beit Lachem, in Judah, which means praise, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So back in those terrible days of the judges, there was a famine in the land on every front, and a man from the house of bread and praise went with his wife and two sons to live for a while in Moab. Now we noted Moab in our podcast on Monday on Jephthah and his daughter. But what does God have to say 
about Moab. Well, if you turn over to Psalm 108 at verse 9, you would read God's voice saying, Moab is my washpot. That is, Moab is my toilet. So, a man from the house of bread and praise, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in God's toilet. This is not upward mobility. No Israelite would ever want to go and live in Moab. Well, the man's name was Elimelech, which means God is my king. His wife's name was Naomi, which means pleasant. So God is my king and his wife, little Mary Sunshine, and his two sons, Mahalon, which means puny, and Kilion, which means sickly, went to live for a while in God's toilet. And they were Ephraimites from Bethlehem in Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, things go from bad to worse. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons, puny and sickly. And then they married Moabite women. Now, no Israelite would want to go and live in Moab. And you certainly didn't date the girls, and you most certainly didn't marry them. But puny and sickly did. One was named Orpah, which means fawn, F-A-W-N, fawn. I think of her as slender with the body of a marathon runner, long, flowing hair. And the other was named Ruth. Now, it's more difficult to translate Ruth, but I'd rather translate Ruth as glamour. Not in the sense of the old magazine, Glamour magazine, but in the sense of Audrey Hepburn. Now there was a glamorous woman. Well, they lived together in Moab about 10 years. And then both puny and sickly died. I told you they were puny and sickly. <laughs> and Naomi was left without her two sons or her husband. So she is a widow with no sons, no husband, no male to protect her. Now, when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters, daughters-in-law, prepared to return home from there. So, Orpah and Ruth are going to return to Bethlehem with Mary Sunshine. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. They would travel from Moab on the King's Highway, the main international trade route on the east that left Egypt, went across the Sinai, north through the eastern mountain range to Damascus. That's the route they would take 
from Moab, simply north, to what today is Amman, Jordan, and then they would drop down to Jericho and up to Jerusalem and seven kilometers south to Bethlehem. So Naomi and her two beautiful daughters-in-law were traveling that road alone. Now remember, this is back in the days when the judges ruled. And we read toward the end of the book of Judges that a Levitical priest from the hill country of Ephraim had a young concubine. And it ended up she was brutally raped while traveling with the Levite. He wanted revenge. So he cut her up into 12 pieces, FedExed the pieces to the tribes of Israel, and they went to war. Those roads were not safe back in the days when the judges ruled. But what choice do they have? Naomi, with her two daughters-in-law, left the place where she had been living, and they set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. But then, I imagine right around what today is modern-day Ammon, Jordan, right before dropping down to Jericho and on the east side, uh, west side of the Jordan River. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. And may you, uh, may the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. I, I can't ask you to come back with me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. You've stayed with me. You've been loyal to me. You know, I didn't like either of you at first, Moabite women. But now you're my daughters, and I want the best for you. So please, turn back. Go home and find other husbands. And she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, no, we will go back with you to your people. We, we love you. But Naomi said, no, 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 no. Return home, my daughters. Look, why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who would become your husbands? Huh. Return home, my daughters. I'm far too old to have another husband. My, my life is over. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight, and give birth to sons. Would you wait till they grew up? You want to wait another 20 years? No, you're, you're beautiful young women. Would you remain unmarried? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. God did this to me. God brought that famine to Bethlehem that forced us to Moab, God's toilet, where I lived for 10 years, lost everything. I am desperately poor. God did this. At this they wept. Then Orpah, realizing that Naomi was right, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, turned and headed south on the king's highway, back home. But Ruth clung 
to Naomi. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. That is a a wonderful expression on Ruth's part. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. I don't think there's any greater expression of love and faithfulness than what Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. That, by the way, when a person converts to Judaism, those verses are read by the person converting. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town buzzed because of them. The women said, can this be Naomi? Can this be Mary Sunshine? Oh, she looked old and haggard and thin and worried. Could this be little Mary Sunshine? She said, don't call me Naomi, don't call me Mary Sunshine. Call me Mara, bitter. Bitter old woman. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full. I had a beautiful home, a loving husband, wonderful sons. I had my life in Bethlehem. And it was all taken away. The Lord, I I went away full and I lost everything. I'm back a beggar. Why call me Mary Sunshine? The Lord has afflicted me. The Lord did this. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess. Now, you have to read that as a slur. Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, you know, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning in the springtime. Now, chapter two. Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. Boaz means strength. And he was a relative of Elimelech's. And Ruth, you know, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, 
let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Well, Leviticus, the law, chapter 19, at verse 9 reads, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So part of God's poverty plan for his people was that if you become poor at the time of the harvest, barley harvest, wheat harvest, grape harvest, that you're to pass through your field one time harvesting, you don't go back through a second time, and you leave a 10% border around the edges. The poor may then come in and harvest what's left, pick up the gleanings and harvest the remainder. A 10% gift to the poor. I like that. God didn't simply give them the food. They had to work for it. But that's part of God's poverty plan. And apparently, Ruth learned of this in Bethlehem. So Ruth said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. Although she said it with great hesitancy, because we know that those roads in the days of the judges were not safe. And a beautiful young woman like Audrey Hepburn going out into the fields where all the men were working, unprotected by a husband, a father, a brother, there could be big trouble. But Naomi said, Go ahead, my daughter. So they finished having breakfast, a few olives, a date or two, and Ruth went down to the fields. Now Bethlehem is about seven kilometers south of Jerusalem, really a suburb of Jerusalem today, and Bethlehem is on the ridge of a cliff. When you get to the far southern edge of Bethlehem and look south, on a clear day, you can nearly see to Hebron, down through a valley. There's a little bump in the valley, a little hill. That's the archaeological site of Tekoa. Remember, Amos was a prophet from Tekoa. If you look over the left side, traveling south, that is looking over the east side, you look down into the fields. Well, that's where Ruth was headed, down to the fields to glean behind the harvesters. She came to the first field, and she looked, and the men were working, and the foreman was there. She tentatively moved toward the field, and that foreman said, Go on, get out of here. We don't want your kind here. Moabitus. She went further to the next field. Same thing happened at that field. We don't want poor people here. Go away. But then she finally came to a field belonging to Boaz, who was a relative of Elimelech. The foreman 
said, please come in, come in. And she very cautiously approached. He said, I've been told by my boss, Boaz, to allow the poor to come in and glean. You're certainly welcome. Huh. So she did. She followed behind the harvesters, picking up the leftover grain. And as she was doing that, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. So Boaz was an important man, a very wealthy man. And he had been up in Bethlehem. And I like to imagine that Boaz was on the board of directors of the Bank of Bethlehem and they were having a board meeting. And everybody was talking about Naomi, Mary's sunshine, coming back as a bitter old woman. But oh, she brought with her her widowed daughter-in-law who is drop-dead gorgeous. Looks just like Audrey Hepburn. Boaz listened. And they talked all about her. You know, oh, she's beautiful, but she is a very good woman. When she left her own people and came back here with Naomi to nothing, she takes care of, of that bitter old woman. So Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. He was driving a green Range Rover, forest green. And on the back of it, he had a big red igloo cooler with ice water. So Boaz was driving down the road in the Range Rover and he greeted the harvesters, the Lord be with you. And they waved back, the Lord bless you. Good labor management relations here. So Boaz came to the field and he watched as this young woman was gleaning behind the harvesters. And Boaz asked the foreman, who's the girl? And the foreman replied, oh, well, she's, you know, the, the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. The Moabitess who came from God's toilet. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and she's been working steadily from morning till now, except for a short break, mid-morning. Huh, working diligently for sure. So Boaz went over and introduced himself. And Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me, don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. You know, it's not safe out there but you're welcome here and we'll take care of you. Don't glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting. Follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. You're protected here. And whenever you're thirsty, go get a drink of water from the red igloo cooler over there on the back of my forest green Range Rover. So at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She, she stunned. She exclaimed, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a, a foreigner, an outsider from Moab of all places? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. 
how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you don't know. That was a very kind and generous thing to do for Naomi. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. And may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Well, Ruth is stunned. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You've given me comfort and spoken kindly to your servant, though I don't have the standing of one of the lowest of your servant girls. You're an important man in town. You're on the board of directors of the Bank of Bethlehem. Why would you be kind to me? So when lunchtime came, Boaz was at the table with the foreman and some of the other important people in the field. Ruth had a few olives, a couple of dates, sat down by herself to eat them. And Boaz said, Ruth, please come over here. Here, sit next to me. Have, have, have some bread and, and, and dip it in the wine. She sat down with the harvesters and he offered her roasted grain and she ate all she wanted and had some left over. Now, there had been a famine in the land. Naomi is dirt poor, a handful of olives and some dates. But she ate all she wanted. She hadn't eaten all she wanted in years. And she had some left over. And shyly, demurely, she said to Boaz, you think I might have a doggy bag? <laughs> and he gave her one. When lunch was over, she got up to glean and Boaz gave orders to his men. He noticed how hard she was working. She wasn't following along behind the gleaners, or the harvesters. She was getting right up among them. So Boaz said to the men, even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Because what they would do if a poor person got too close behind them is slap them. Don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks and drop them behind and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. Don't you say a bad word to her. So, Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. Good amount of grain to carry home. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how, how, she, how much she had gathered. She was amazed. And Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after lunch, the doggy bag. <laughs> her mother-in-law said, my goodness, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Well, blessed be the man who took notice of you. And then Ruth told her mother-in-law, about the one at whose place she had been working. You know, Naomi all day long had worried about Ruth. She sat at the window watching. They had just a, a little tiny cottage with a white picket fence around it. A bit shabby and broken down. 
but Naomi watched out that window, waiting for Ruth to come, hoping she would come. Dangerous out there, you know. Where did you glean? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Ruth told her mother-in-law all about the one at whose place she had been working. Oh, he's a wonderful man. He's on the board of directors of the Bank of Bethlehem. Has a beautiful forest green Range Rover. And, and a big red igloo cooler. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Naomi ah, slapped her forehead and said, The Lord bless him. Why, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is a relative. He's a close relative. One of our kinsmen redeemers. I've forgotten all about Boaz. A kinsman redeemer. Well, what is that? Deuteronomy 25 at verse 5. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. That's the law of the kinsman redeemer. So in this time, in this culture, if I'm the eldest son, which I am, by the way, the eldest of three, and I marry, and I die before I and my wife have any children, then it's my next brother, that would be my brother, middle brother, Don, would be obligated to marry my widow, have a child with her, and that child would become my heir. Now, as the oldest son, I get the lion's share of my father's estate. The second oldest son, in my case, my brother Don, would get a much smaller portion. But if he marries my widow and has a son, then that son would inherit the lion's share. So my brother would, in effect, disinherit himself. That will be an issue in our story. But Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. Now, we don't know if Elimelech had a brother or brothers, but Boaz is in the line. Well, that got Naomi thinking. Ruth the Moabitess said, why, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. He invited me to come back day after day all through the harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, Oh, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and the wheat harvests were finished, right to the end of spring. And she lived with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Well, I think Naomi has a plan in mind.
And we shall see what that plan is in our Friday podcast. I hope you like the story, folks. We'll pick up right where we left off on Friday. Blessings to all of you. Bye-bye now.